Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cochois, live from my dressing room, and nobody found out who today's guests were. It's okay. <laughs> I get it. This one was harder to guess. And actually, for today's episode, I thought I'd change things up a little. We won't have one, but two amazing guests, Marky and Michael Lennon. I met Marky when I was performing with Totem in Santa Monica. He invited me and other artists to hang out at his house in Venice after the last show of the week, and we spent an unbelievable night. I then learned that Marky, apart from having an incredible career as a singer and musician, was also known in the Cirque du Soleil world for throwing the craziest parties in LA. So, I thought it would be fun to catch up with him and his brother, learn more about their career in the music industry, and listen to how they perceive the Cirque du Soleil universe. Also, they had a pretty awesome surprise for you guys at the end of the episode. So here they are, the amazing Marky and Michael Lennon. Guys, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Thank you. Happy to be here, finally. We made this happen. Glad you <laughs> yes. called me. <laughs> Very cool. So you guys are calling from Venice? Yeah. Yes. We're in Venice Beach. Venice Beach. It's like 80 degrees today in the middle of winter. That's pretty <laughs> lucky. And we're gonna we're gonna jump in the ocean after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So uh Marky, how long has it been since we've seen each other? What about it was when 2014, 2015, something like that? I think so. Twenty I believe 2014. It could even be earlier because time has really been flying by fast. And when was the last time? I had one of my fun Cirque du Soleil parties. We'll get into that a little later, but uh, yes. yeah, it's been a while, brother. So when we actually met was when you came to see our show Totem in Santa Monica. Was that yeah. your first encounter with Cirque du Soleil? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, years and years ago when Cirque du Soleil first came to Santa Monica, they had the big tent on the beach. And uh, so I saw two or three of those shows. And then later on, the show Kidam came. And my friend uh, Esquire, he also lives in Venice. Mm -hmm. He was throwing a party. He, he, he threw a party uh, the year before Kidam. He threw a party. And he went over to the tent in the middle of the day. And he said, I'm having a party. You don't have to bring any food. I'll supply food. Just bring whatever you like to drink. But, you know, for after the show. And the only people that showed up was the crew. Because he talked hmm. to the crew and said, tell everybody. Uh, so the crew said, okay, we're going. And all the actors are like, oh, no, we're going to Hollywood. We're going to, you know, the nice, fun parties. <laughs> far, one hour drive. And so the crew ended up coming for the first show. And they had the best time. And it was you could, they could walk there from the tent. You know, that's how close his house mm -hmm. was. So it was yeah. very convenient. They could walk home or take a, you know, a cab or something. And uh, so they went back and they told all the performers and the actors and the people and the singers and the musicians, they said, you got to come next year. He's he invited us next year. We're going to do this. Every, he said, it's going to do this every year. So he threw another party the next year. That's when Kidam came to town. Okay. And that's when I saw Oleg at the show. So <clears throat> we invited everybody back to my friends. Oleg Uchakov. Yeah. He was from the, the bunking. Exactly. So he, uh, he shows up at the party and the party's already going because they have to come after the show. So the party's going. All the all the performers are coming in. And Oleg comes in with two big bags of groceries from the supermarket. And I said, hey, this party's for you. You're not supposed to bring anything. Wow, you're such a good guy. He goes, my mother always told me, never come to a party empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'm going to party with you, cowboy. You're, you're a good soul. You bring stuff to a party that you're invited to. Yeah. And so he... Uh, he came in, we ended up drinking and laughing and singing and dancing all night at this wonderful party. And uh, we stayed in touch. We, we exchanged phone numbers. And uh, maybe back then, I even think we had pagers, you know, <laughs> that's yes. how long ago it was now, or, or really cheap phones and, um, and emails, you know, we had email then. So we, we exchanged emails. Mm -hmm. So the next year when he came back, uh, we hooked up and, uh, you know, uh, what was it? What was what show would he come back? Did he come back with? You know what? I can't remember the order of all of them. I'm sure it was the, the year after. <laughs> but each each year he had a different. You know, one time he was the lifter of all the women, and then one time he was yes. uh, working in a different act and working with Tatiana. Yeah, that was Varakai. Yeah, and then Varakai, yeah, and then he uh, was doing a lot of the catching and the spotting and uh, you know consulting and 
every year he was doing something different, but we always stayed in touch and he'd always let me know where they were staying in Hollywood or the Marina del Rey mm -hmm. or in Venice. So we'd go to their condo and, and have great parties and, and uh, sing and dance, you know, and then one summertime, I can't remember. I think that's when I met you, but I know I had two or three parties at my house <laughs> where I said, please invite everybody. We're going to have a pool. We're going to have jacuzzi uh, and tell everybody just to bring what they want to eat and drink. And it was a fabulous, fabulous party all day, all night. And people were doing acrobats in the pool and I was trying to videotape. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they're like, don't film me. My man is just going to kill me. I'm not supposed to do all of these acrobats drunk, you know? Yes. Man, very, very, very too funny. Late now you just said it. Yeah, too late. <laughs> I won't mention any names. And um, so that was just unbelievable. All the contortionists were being lifted by the acrobats and they were doing contortion. All the Asian contortionists were doing the contortions on from the top of the water. You could just barely see the guys breathing with their nose above the water. So yeah. it looked like they were sitting on the water like mermaids. It was so beautiful. And uh, and then I had all my dance music that my, my niece had made me, really good funk uh, R&B music. So we would just dance the night away till four in the morning and the neighbors did not complain because I always invite the neighbors to come to my house. Ah, that's a good strategy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what did you what did you think the first time you saw a Cirque du Soleil show? The, or like let's say the first time you saw Kidam, how did it feel? It was always magical. I mean, Cirque du Soleil. It's, it was such a breath of fresh air because when we heard circus, we we're like, oh, we don't want to see animals. We don't want to see this. We don't want to see, you know, this and that. And so when we went, we were absolutely blown away because it was the the freshest, coolest, weirdest, funny and sad and all emotions clown you could ever see and the best acrobats you could ever see and the coolest singers. And I love how when they sing the music, uh, it's, it's just kind of fake made up language, but they, they, uh, somehow they remember it. I guess they record it and then they just learn the recording, but it's all, you know, and it doesn't mean yeah. anything, but it sounds like they're speaking Italian and French and, and Russian. Yeah, and very true. Very true. Very cool how they do that. So there's no real language. So it's a whole made up, almost like another planet and another yeah. universe. So that's what it was to us. It was another planet with smiles and sadness and, and scariness and strangeness. And, and like music. I said, yeah, the music was always just, the bands were always so great. And the singers. So good. Yeah. And what, what do you think about the, the music? Because you are a musician yourself. You have yeah. the famous band yeah. Venice and you play with other incredible musicians over the year. How did it feel for you as a professional musicians to be exposed to that all these made up languages and it's music that is so particular to Cirque. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. And just that they could do that all live with that live band. It, it was so much more exciting than, you know, you go to things and they pre-record the music and then they play back a track and then, you know, you can just tell, but the energy with the live band the musicianship was so incredible. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Mark, once Marky got to know Oleg and some of you other guys, Mm -hmm. Then the next time the family went, when he brought us, he took us backstage. We got to go backstage and see all the people warming up. And it, it was just putting amazing. on their makeup yeah. and putting yeah. on their costumes and practicing and stretching. And it, it, it was incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, it is another world, especially when you see it from backstage. Like when you see it, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You, you don't imagine there is a whole village behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I got, I got to eat, uh, you know, the, the, cafeteria you yeah. know or wherever you guys all eat. Kitchen. Got food? To eat there many times and um yeah i was able to bring my family and my nieces and my nephews and and all the young kids as well as even the older people appreciate it of course you know and then of course you meet all the celebrities back there and they love it just as much as we do so yeah everybody's absolutely. a kid everybody's a kid everybody's the same you know yeah everybody's sure. the same once you're, once you're at the circ and uh a funny, a funny side note. When we first met Oleg, his English was not so good. He spoke, he spoke perfect Spanish. <laughs> being yes. from Russia, he spoke perfect mm -hmm. Spanish. Oleg out Uchikov. And uh, so we were having breakfast. And I said, Oleg, you want me to order for you? You know, because I didn't know if he knew how to read the menu. And uh -huh. he goes, no, 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 Marsky, Marsky. I'm going to order my breakfast myself. I want to practice my English. <laughs> I, will, I will have two eggs side by each, a <laughs> pair of toast, Three strips bacon parallel and an orange glass of juice. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like, oh, I kind of know what you mean, but uh, let me rephrase that for you. You'll have two eggs over easy, a side of bacon, a side of toast, you know. Uh, but it was just so funny. We laughed so hard. I never forgot that. And then another time, he was, uh, he was, so he got to stay at this woman's house. She goes, you could stay at my place for free, but you have to watch my little dog. 
Mm-hmm. So he watched the dog as like a little chihuahua or something. So he tied it up outside the restaurant and he's eating inside and, and some guy comes by to pet the dog and the dog's like, row, 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 you know, bites his hand and the, and the guy kicks his, you know, kicks the dog goes like, fuck off, you know, and Oleg runs out there and he's, you know, he's, he's built like a, like a, like a brick shit house. We call it. Yeah. He's built like a, you know, acrobat. Hey, white four, you kick my dog and call him fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another Oleg statement that we just say forever. And, uh, That's so yeah. funny. And he calls me Marsky. He calls Marsky. me Marsky instead of Marky. Yeah. <laughs> the Russian name. Russian nickname. And do you want to take me a little bit through your musical career? Like how did you start it as a musician, your band, your collaboration and everything? Yeah, sure. Um, the Venice Band was started in 1977. My cousin Kip, Mark and my cousin Kip. Um, that we grew up with. We have very large families. We have 13 children in our family. And Kip <laughs> has 11 in his. I'm not his, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we grew up around music all life, but I was kind of starting a band in high school and some of the guys didn't want to do it anymore. So I had Marky, I think, go to the beach and ask Kip if he wanted to be in the band. Yeah. And then we were uh, body surfing in the ocean. I said, Hey, brother Michael's <laughs> got his band, you know, Venice and, uh, And I told him you should be the singer. So he said, I should ask you. So, you know, he's having band practice this weekend. Why don't you come by and we'll play some songs together? And he, he might want you in the band. And I wasn't even in the band. I was only <laughs> not yet. 13, yeah. 13. Yeah. These guys were 15, 16, 17. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, then, so, a, then after yeah. that, then we started the band with Kip and I, just two of us, last name Lennon, we're cousins. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to ask Mark to join the band so we could do more of the harmonies, three-part harmonies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then Mark was only, I think, 14. I was 14. Yeah, we would play Hollywood Strip yeah. at the Roxy or the or Troubadour. the Troubadour or the mm-hmm. Gazaris, it was called. The Whiskey. And Marky was so young that he had to stay upstairs in the backstage until we played on the stage. Uh, Then he would have to come down because he was too young to be inside the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I could we, perform, but I couldn't come out and dance with everybody. That only lasted, that only lasted about a year because they knew I was a good boy and I was not going to drink. So <laughs> I was on the dance floor dancing with all the girls and guys and everybody. Uh, yes. Uh, that, that's where we started and we've been together ever since. We have a huge following in Europe now, with yeah. especially in Holland. Yeah. In Holland, now we're nice. spreading to Germany, Sweden, Denmark. And um, yeah, but we're because of COVID, the last two tours, have, the tour has been moved three times now yeah. because yeah. of COVID. So now we're finally going back to Europe in September. Oh, you are. Congratulations. That's amazing. We, yeah, finally. Germany, hopefully too. Sweden, hopefully. Nice. Um, but but uh, yeah, we have 20 CDs. We've made 20 albums, over 20 albums. Yeah. Uh, Mark and the other guys toured with Roger Waters on the Wall Tour. Yeah, Pink Floyd. Crazy. Yeah, and we we've sang on many albums for people like Bruce Springsteen. We've done Bonnie Raitt. I'm not Bonnie Raitt. Um, mm-hmm. Linda uh, Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt. Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, I toured with I toured with Stevie Nicks. Played guitar okay. and sang yeah, with Stevie amazing. Nicks in 1991. Yeah. Uh, Mark did Phil Collins. Yeah. Wow. Share. Amazing. Uh, for Share. Phil Collins. It was uh, great. We've we've been lucky to work with many professionals. How did that work the first time? Like you, so you have your own band, you start Venice and yeah. how did you get approached by Roger Waters, for example? Like, how does that happen? Or like with Springsteen or like big names like this, how do you come to go on tour with these Well, artists? like I said, we've been around for so long that everybody kind of knows about us, you know? Mm-hmm. And because we played, you know, when we first started out, we played high school dances, wedding receptions, parties. Then that turned mm-hmm. into playing the clubs on Sunset Strip. Then that turned into playing big corporate gigs, more clubs, being asked to sing backgrounds, you know, on like David Crosby, Jackson Brown, you know, lots of people. And the word got out, you know, and then now we're hanging out at Stevie Nicks house with Billy Idol and Eddie Van Halen and, and all these rock stars doing yeah. videos with them and singing up on stage for, you know, encores and just word of mouth, you know, the, the word gets out that these guys have good harmonies. We're the nice boys. We don't fuck off. We don't party too much. Well, yeah. party, but not too much. <laughs> but the, <laughs> yes. the, the singer that was on the, the real wall album, the first one in the eighties, Mm-hmm. He he lives in Los Angeles. He was a session singer that sang on the album, okay. the Wall album. Yeah. And so he knew about our band because we're known for our four-part vocal harmonies. Uh, so okay. he told Roger, I got the perfect band to tour live and you can do all the harmonies for you. No problem. Amazing. So we auditioned and 
yeah. got the tour. Roger, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd comes to Michael's house where yeah. we are now. Came to sits on the couch with an acoustic <laughs> guitar. And he goes, all right, chaps, let's uh, let's do this one. And he plays <laughs> it. We sing backgrounds. He's like, yeah, pretty good. Let's do this one. Mike goes, you want a beer? He goes, yeah, I'd love a beer. <laughs> and then, so we do like three or four songs. And he goes, all right, chaps, I think you've got the job. Give me two weeks and I'll, I'll give you the final call. And uh, we'll be on the road in no time. So it was That's like crazy. four years yeah. on and off, like four months on, four months off. You know, three or four years, we just toured the whole world, the whole world twice. I got to see the whole world. And we're just, you know. Poor boys from Venice. So this was magic. <laughs> a free a free trip around the world twice. Twice. So it's really yeah. your your dedication as a band first to like just play uh-huh. everywhere yes. all the time, take yeah. every gig, and then second of all, the harmony, which is really it's, like your signature right. quality <clears throat> and kick ass harmony. Yeah. And we had a, a reputation just for being professional, you know, yeah. we could work very fast. We show, we show up on time and we say please and thank you. And that's yeah. important in this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is but, super important. Yeah. And the vocals are very easy for us. So that we don't, we usually rehearse very little our vocals. Mm-hmm. We only rehearse with the band so, that, <laughs> so they can learn. Because the singing part comes very easy. That's because you've been, you guys have been working together for so long. Correct. Yeah. And, yes. and being family, our vocals match up. It's in the blood, it's in the genes, it's in the DNA. It's, so it's, yeah. You don't need to it's tune works. in your DNA. It's already tuned in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no shots. <laughs> so let's say you have that tour with Roger Waters. What other tours or noticeable collaboration really marked your career as a collaborator? Um, well, like I said, Michael was with Stevie Nicks. Uh, that was 1991. And we shared the same manager. So okay. he, he was managing us and he was working for, he wasn't her manager at the time. I think he was working for maybe selling her weed or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he record, he brought her to see us at a show and okay. she absolutely loved it. And then um, when she, she did her solo stuff, she didn't have the Fleetwood Mac band. She had to put her own band together. Mm, and that's okay. when they called me and said, Hey, cause I was one of the only people that could play the landslide song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was able to play that and they could, they're having trouble find someone that could do the finger picking things. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I ended up doing that tour. It was only about six weeks, but okay. it was incredible all throughout the United, just the United okay. States. But mm-hmm. and she, every amazing. time she would come sing, see us play, she would sit in with us and we'd do a couple yeah. of her songs. Oh, so she would bring so her nice. friends and that's how more of the stars and people came out because she would bring her friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that was very cool. And how was it to share the stage with her? Like to be perf- on the per- on the performing aspect. I, I you feel like you're dreaming, like you're in a dream, because Mark Mark could always imitate her. <laughs> he could do an impression yeah. of her singing. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Give him a little. <laughs> I'm not gonna do Stevie. <laughs> um. So it it was unbelievable. And then she came backstage and was talking to us, and we were just. You know, we have pictures that that um, from back in those days that we could we could dig up. I don't have them right now, but they won't show on a podcast. But you know, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was just then, uh, yeah. Incredible. And she did like duets with bon, Don Henley. So Don Henley came to see us, and uh, mm-hmm. and then he took our drummer. He took our drummer about thirty years ago. He came to see us. Says, "Hey, you want to play for the Eagles?" Our drummer said, "Okay, bye guys." <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> we're, we're still best friends with him, but. The Eagles now for yeah. 30, 35 years. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And so to, yeah. to be on to be on stage with her and to see her devoted fans and everybody has teddy bears and uh presents, you know, presents every show. and jewelry. <laughs> they're, they're throwing their yeah. bras and underwear up on stage. And, uh, <laughs> it's it's just amazing. The fans, you know, they're they're wild, but yeah. wonderful. Were they the craziest fans you saw? Sometimes there are. She had like this South one guy. America was pretty crazy. For South you, America, right? yeah, like Roger Waters, like Mexico City, and just anywhere in Mexico or yeah. any any Latino man. country, they knew all of the words, even though they don't speak English. They knew every single word, and they're crying because they're so happy that they're seeing their favorite band, mm-hmm. and they're so devoted and and not crazy yeah. in a bad way, crazy in a good way, you know. Mm-hmm. And then of course you have the crazy guys that try and sneak up and kiss Roger and climb the <laughs> climb the <laughs> climb the fence and climb the wall, but you know they they get t- taken off away by security. But uh, like Stevie Nicks, she had a stalker. This one guy, 
he was a huge, big, gigantic giant, almost like a Sasquatch Bigfoot. And he was in love with her. And somehow he climbed over the fences of her castle. She would rent in New York and LA. Mm-hmm. He always knew where she was staying somehow. And they'd catch him on the security cameras and they'd arrest what? him. You know? Yeah. So That's crazy. So, yeah. So, yeah. So one time we were at her manager's house, our, our, our manager and the phone rings. And oh no, no, he goes, I have the guy's number. Let's call him. Let's call him just to just to see what he sounds like. So he put him on speakerphone. So we call him from LA. And this is before they had the, the number show up. So you don't know where it's yeah, coming from. Yeah. And he goes, Hello, Stevie. <laughs> and we called him on, on our own phone, not even Stevie's phone. We called him from our phone. He goes, Hello, Stevie, is that you? We all went, Aah! we all hung up the phone and ran off and ran away. <laughs> it was so scary. It's like the devil was on his side. <laughs> he was. Oh, and about how many shows were you guys doing per year during that time? Uh, with other artists or, or with, with our band Venice? I, I would say total. Oh, total. Oh, man, I don't know. We average at least, if, if we're on tour, then we're doing like 20 shows in a month or, two, you know, 40 mm-hmm. shows in two months. If we're, mm-hmm. if we're at home playing L.A., we average a couple times a month because we have two bands. We have one band that's all cover tunes. Yeah. We do all of our favorite classic rock, classic funk, and classic disco. Mm-hmm. Nothing new, just all the old good mm-hmm. shit that's the best. And so, and we sound like the bands. We do, it's like almost like a tribute band, but we are 80 different bands because we can do Zeppelin, we can do Bowie, we can do Michael Jackson, we can do Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's really fun. We imitate them, the audience sings along. It's a whole dance party. So we have Venice and that. So between that, when we live in LA, we work about twice a month playing all the clubs, but now with COVID it's been two years. So yeah, it's been a long time off. And what do you guys think about the singers and musicians (laughs) at Cirque who are doing 10 shows a week all year? I don't know how they do it other than it's a muscle and, and you, you working it all the time means you're going to keep it in shape all the time. So that's good. And I know they're, they like to party, but I'm not sure how much the singers, because the singers, you really can't party that much because it'll, it'll wear on your vocal cords. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. um, so I don't remember partying with singers much. They were home resting. But the acrobats, God, the acrobats they still have to watch the, you know, the acrobats still, everybody has to watch out there. Take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But um Yeah. You know, when we when we were doing three shows a day, there was a table in the kitchen that was it was the silent, <laughs> silence table. So basically it was a board on a table, and everyone who was gonna go and sit at the table couldn't talk you were not allowed to talk at that table and all the singers are always like sitting at the table at the silent table yeah and they even had sometimes they had like a board yeah uh, with a string around their neck and like a sharpie and they would like write on the board (laughs) oh that's brilliant oh yeah because by the end we were we did this for four months in new york city and by like you know by the middle of the fourth month at the end of the third month everyone was so burned out and the musicians the singers especially they were just like i'm I'm just not going to speak. I'm going to use my voice just for the yeah. show. At that point. Yeah. Wow. We've had to do that when, we're, when we tour Holland and we do four, you know, usually we do three shows and then we're off. Three shows were off. So we have a day to rest. Sometimes we have Crazy. to do four because every day off is a day we're paying for hotels. Every day off is a pay day yeah. we have to eat and, you know. So sometimes we have to do the four shows or for even five shows in a row. And that's when we don't talk. And I, I made shirts with a Sharpie, just like you said, a t- mm-hmm. white t shirt. Oh Please yeah. Forgive me. I am not talking today. You know, <laughs> and sometimes we can whistle. Like I'll go. <laughs> yes. You point right. And use sign language. They knew what I was saying. I go. Uh, that's so good. Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. 
you can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find Protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. Outside of your band, what was your favorite collaboration? Uh, with me, it was definitely the Pink Floyd tour working for Roger Waters because he's the king for so many years. Uh, but then again, we got to work with Bonnie Raitt. David Crosby. David I think Crosby. my favorite was playing a guitar solo and David Crosby sang Ohio with us from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Mm-hmm. We did yeah. that song live with David Crosby and I got to do the solo. <laughs> so wow, for me, amazing. that was one of the highlights. Yeah, it's like playing yeah. baseball or basketball with your favorite basketball player. You know, it's like, <laughs> wow. Michael Jordan, yes. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, that's what it's like. Pretty and, cool. And, you know, Rogers was so special because it was, you know, a couple of years of doing it. So I got to see the whole world. But then there's those one-time shows where you get to, you know, it might be just one show, but that might be your favorite experience because of how magical it was, you know, with, with that artist or Stevie Nicks or Jackson mm-hmm. Brown or, you know, and uh, what was your most challenging collaboration? Or like, yeah, most challenging. Probably the wall for you guys. The hardest to learn all that stuff, right? No, we thought the wall was going to be because it's a, we had to learn the whole album by heart, you know? So I thought, okay. oh, am I going to have a music stand? Can I have a music stand for cheat, cheat notes? And I can make notes. Mm-hmm. And But it just, by, by after rehearsals, we, we knew it. So that wasn't that bad. But I think the most challenging is we do these shows uh, big benefit shows to, oh, yeah. keep, to keep music alive in the schools because because mm-hmm. yeah. everybody all the you know Trump and everyone was trying to shut down the the music in the schools and take away the instruments uh-huh. take away the arts just the artists arts. Yeah, yeah the arts in general dancing yeah. singing everything uh, arts acting yeah mm-hmm. so we do a huge benefit we've raised over a million dollars now in in ten or twenty years. years and it's called yeah. Artists for the Arts Foundation um, it has a new name now but. Yeah. So we get David Crosby one year. We get Jackson Brown one year. We get the band Heart one year. We get uh, the guy from mm-hmm. Man at Men at Work or Billy Idol one year. Billy Idol. Uh, wow, amazing! Oh, uh, cheers for fears. Everybody, we get to play. So we have to learn like five of their songs. Plus, we learn 
five songs that have an orchestra because all the children play an orchestra. And so we give them mm -hmm. these songs. We have to learn like 20 songs and the show is only one night. <laughs> and Ooh. so that's, that's challenging because you, you put your heart and soul into something. You don't even get to tour with it. It's yeah. one night. Mm -hmm. the, these yeah. are, these are shows with a full orchestra, full choir, full horn section. So all children. Like, oh my God. The stage is amazing to perform. Musicians. Yeah. 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 If you send me, send me your, I mean, uh, we have each other's email address, but uh, I'll send you some links so you can see some of the, the how big it is. Yeah. And, and it must be, yeah, the power of all these musicians yeah. playing at once. It must be yeah. amazing. And that's here in our hometown. That's, we, that's like 15 minutes to drive away. So it's not a challenging drive. It's only a challenging to learn <laughs> two rehearsals, 40 songs in two hours, and, and then you're done. So it's like all that energy put into one show. Oh. But I guess that's the beauty of performing arts in general. You know, you go on tour, you play 10 shows a week in the case of Cirque or 10 shows in a month for <laughs> with bands. But it's, even if you tour for 10 years, it, it, it still has an end. It's yeah. not something permanent. You have to re-enjoy it every single time you step on stage. You have to remember like that's... Yeah, we, we, always, we always say how blessed and how lucky we are. And uh, yeah. Like I said, we are very uh, pleased and thank you band. And we, we get a lot of compliments yeah. that the clubs and the tours and the venues we play, the theaters, they go, Hey, you guys, you know, forgive us. When you, when you walked in, we thought you were just a typical band. We're not used to please. And thank you. We're not used to like guys helping us, you know, load the stage. Like your drummer was helping load his drums and that's our job, but we were happy. He was helping us because we were, you know, behind schedule and mm. we just want to say thank you. And you're welcome back here anytime. And like, that's the coolest thing to get those kind of compliments. Uh, have we worked with anyone that was really difficult? We were like, Oh, God, get us out of here. Um, yeah, we usually we usually don't go back or we tell the management, say, get rid of that guy or we're not coming back. But yeah, but like an artist. Usually we, we turn them around. So they start out being a jerk. And then by the time we leave, you know, we just keep being nice and kill them. Kill them with kindness. Yeah. Is what we say. And then, yeah. and then at the end, we, you know, it's like, oh, he's not too bad of a guy. He probably had a bad day or whatever. So yeah. we try we try to turn it around. There were a couple of artists when we when we would do those artists for the art shows, they'd come in a little cocky, a little bit like, hey, I'm your star. I'm making this show. So here's how it's gonna go. And then they realize that's not gonna work. But we don't want to mention names because that's no, for sure. Yeah. But, but David Hasselhoff, I'm gonna <laughs> kick your ass. <laughs> no, we haven't worked with him. I love it. Because I feel I, I've worked with some some Cirque artists, or I know some Cirque artists who are extremely meticulous with their craft. So when, and you know, working on stage, you work with light designers and musicians and everything, and they would be so precise with like that musical cues, that music, that light cues, that, you know, automation, dealing with different heights of the apparatus during the flight and everything. Oh, yeah. And I guess sometimes they would they could come out as being assholes, but it's not that they're assholes. It's that they won't settle for less. They want yeah. the exact perfection in, in what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, so that's why the Cirque du Soleil shows, I've never seen any any fails or anything go wrong. I mean, knock on wood. But uh, I've never seen any technical difficulties any i never you know maybe once i saw someone where they might have fallen but it was like boom they got right mm -hmm. back up but yeah you people want it perfect because then the, the audience gets to see perfect sometimes you have to raise your voice and say this is how i want it you missed your music cue i told you three times you missed your music cue. lighting what the fuck where's my blue light you know <laughs> it's, it seems like you're being an asshole but by the time it's showtime and when it's everybody's hugging and you know yeah. they're yeah, friends again true. You know, it happened to be one time that the, the at the start of the act, you know, I had to come down on the trapeze and the trapeze got stuck halfway in midair. So I was like, oh, oh, no. on the trapeze <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay. Like, and so the, the musicians start to, to vamp, you know, to play that key, like, do, 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 like music to be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. stand by. And I remember I was supposed to start lay down my back, but I kind of sat and I could, I was just looking at the audience like, okay. I'm here, like, <laughs> and, and then the trapeze can back down, and we have a light cue that's behind the audience. That's is either when it flashes orange, it's it means there is a problem, so stand by. And when it flashes green, it means you're good to go. Okay. Yeah. When the trapeze finally came down, it flashed green, so like okay, I guess we're good to go. So like we, I picked up my partner and we just went into the act, and we got such the the best answer from the audience because they saw that. Wow. You know, it didn't start as planned and I was kind of like, 
struggling, <laughs> stuck in the middle, but we still made the show happen. And when the act finished, it was the biggest clap. Oh. Yes. It's yeah. funny. We had a show in, when we were in Holland, we were playing a show and the amplifier on the stage vibrated off. Big, tall mm -hmm. amplifier for the bass player fell off. Landed on the power cable behind the stage, the big thick one, you know, the power that the snake that runs all the power and cut it. Yeah. <laughs> and all the power in the PA system went off in this big theater. Oh. And we looked at each other and we're like, Can you hear Crazy. us? They're like, no. And so we ended, we just oh walked to the front of the stage with acoustics <laughs> and we just start playing songs because there's nothing you can do, right? And yeah. the people loved it. Yeah. yeah it's and true. we were all nervous because you think, oh, yeah. it's a disaster, but they love it. They loved that we still played and then they fixed the cable. They put a new cable. And then five minutes later, we were back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but, some people were like, no, 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 stay on the front. We like it with no, yeah. no speakers. Like but it's, the, it makes it special. Uh, yeah. You know? Like your, your, your situation as well. It was like a special different thing that happened. Then they got to be there. And I, I think the audience loves that. Yeah. And especially for you guys, I mean, it's so generous for you guys to come forward and play because I guess most of the band would just have walked <laughs> out. Right you know and, and being like and come and, and come back when it's that so for you to yeah. create that and, and imagine you must have been such an yeah, intimate exactly. moment with yes. you and your audience to everyone quiet yeah. to be able to hear yeah. the instruments yeah. and all the acapella singing it must have been beautiful that's what we would want our famous favorite artists to do you know yeah if anybody like the diamond my like sting if he just came down and brought a guitar and was just singing at the front of the stage like that would just so it's like, let's do that, you know, and it ended up working better. And like you said, the people cheer even louder because it's like, oh, you fixed the problem and it's and it's even better. And they, they yeah. then you're human and they love it. It's always better to laugh at yourself or laugh at a mistake oh, yeah. because the, the the audience and the fans, they love it. They love the realness mm -hmm. and the humanness of yeah, someone making a sure. mistake and being human and being real. And yeah. we, you know, we'll do radio things and we'll start this, I'll start the song wrong. And everyone's like, starts laughing and <laughs> people love it after we're like, Oh, sorry, we messed up. And the crowd like, Oh no, we love that. Yeah. Like, they type in yeah. their, 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 you know, you can see like the blogs on the left. It's like, no, 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 we love when you make mistakes because otherwise you're too perfect. You assholes. <laughs> yeah. They, they like it more. I mean, on your level, you're, everyone puts you on such a pedestal because yeah. you're yeah. so high up there. So like when you actually make a mistake and you are, <laughs> just chill about it it makes you so much more relatable yeah exactly and after our shows we all sit at a table for one to two hours and we sign anything they bought you know anything they bring oh, us to amazing. sign pictures so we nice. shake hands Photos, take pictures, pictures everything every uh, every show we do that it's, every show it's just amazing to really you know they're like no other bands do this you know why are you doing this and well we know what it's like we want to meet our we yeah. like to meet our favorite musicians too so that's a that's a big plus and then they also they, they don't have anything to sign so they'll go buy a hat and a cd and a t-shirt so it's like it's good it's good for the money too but yeah, we're doing sure. it more because we know what it would be like you know yeah so you guys are i've been performing live a lot and you also have 20 albums what do you like the most to perform actually perform live or do the period in the studio creating songs and everything is also or as special as the live performance aspect. I think they're equal. One's magic because you get to perform what you wrote and you mm -hmm. get to, to see the audience dancing and singing along and the lights and, and the happiness on stage. But boy, we love making our music too. In our music, we make all in our houses and with homemade studios and, and stuff. So, uh, and then we go to my backyard, we jump in the pool, then come back in and eat lunch and make lunch. And I'm going to make lunch. No, you make the drinks tomorrow. Okay. And you bring this tomorrow. And yeah. it's like a, that's so much fun. Cause that's like about four months of just really hard working and writing together. And then, mm -hmm. and then we tour for four months after that. So I think they're equal. It's not to say, Oh, we like recording better. Yeah. Because when, when you do a long tour and you're on the road, you're really at the end, at least for me, I'm ready to come home and be in my house and be in my bed and be in my backyard. And, you know, mm -hmm. when we work together in the studio and we create songs, that's at home that's a lot different than being out on the road and on tour and moving suitcases. So when we in the, in the studio making the album, we can't wait to go play live to play the new songs. Uh, yeah. And then when we're out playing, doing the tour, we can't wait to go back and write <laughs> the new songs for the next one. So they both, it's like a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Where you it's like the grass is always greener. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You create, and then you can't wait to perform and then you perform and you can't wait to create again. So yeah, exactly. We, we love both. We love both. And uh, is your creative process different when you're creating for 
your own band compared to when you're creating for another artist? Um, no. We usually do just for our band, right? Yeah, but, but if we sing on someone's album and they oh, go, yeah. oh, make up your own harmonies, do what you guys do, then yeah. it's the same creative process, but it's faster because it's just the four vocals. Let's do this. Okay, mm, press record. Yeah. Let's double it so it sounds like eight people. Let's, yeah. uh, you know, Kip, you're too loud. Michael, you're too low. Come in. Um, mm. You know. Because people hire you for that famous harmony signature of you guys. So then when they ask to you to create something, it's always within that realm yeah. of harmony. So you guys know each other. You're like, okay, let's do our thing. Yeah, the great part about the new technology is a lot of times we get people just send us the their tracks, right? The backing track. And then we just make up all the harmonies and we yeah. give them like multiple tracks. We go, oh, you could try this one. We did it a little bit yeah. different. Now on do, this one- We do that here. Know. We don't go to their studio in New York. Yeah, we we just send do, the tracks to New York or from Holland and then we record them here in this room. And, and then I send them back and then they put it into the main thing and they're like, oh, we love it, you know? But I we give them options so they can yeah. choose- We'll, oh, sing, we'll we sing more hard yeah. rock and roll on this one and really light and beautiful. And they yeah. can say, and sometimes they go, Oh, we missed the both of them. And it sounds like a whole choir. And yeah, it's really fun. So that, that's been nice to not, we don't have to travel to sing for people. We can, we have them send it to us and then we just give them many options to choose from and uh, send it back. It's really a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you guys prefer that? Do you prefer to be, to stay home and, to do this composition at home or do you actually miss going on locations in studios with the artist and to have that jamming and yeah. direct well, contact? With we them. miss it's that. Big artist, we miss it. If, if it's a beautiful studio. studio and a big artist and it's like, well, we've, you know, Michael Jackson did all of his albums here or, you know, yeah. Led Zeppelin did their whole album here. It's like, that's what's fun. Like one time we recorded one of our albums in the Bahamas and mm -hmm. Nassau Bahamas. And that was amazing because we could go snorkeling every day. So we're feeding fish out in the oh, ocean wow. and swimming with sharks, cool little baby sharks. I was having so much fun and then go in and do my vocal. And then, you know, while I'm doing my vocal, he can run swim in the ocean and then go back and do his guitar. Mm -hmm. It's like that. We missed that kind of thing or being yeah. in a famous studio in Hollywood where we only have to drive a half an hour, but. Or working with like Springsteen and being able to talk with him in the control room. You can't do that mm -hmm. from your house. So right. that's, that's yeah. when we have no problem <laughs> going to the studio. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, on the big albums for big artists, we usually go to their studio because they like to hear what we're doing and give their input. Yeah. But mm -hmm. when it's just like, sometimes it's like a middle, middle line band. That's not real famous, but they're a good Dutch band that has a great mm -hmm. album and they want Venice vocals. So we say, Oh, we'll just, you know, and it saves we, a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Just send mm -hmm. us the tracks and we'll, <clears throat> we'll sing what we think. And then, you know, and they know, they know what it's going to sound like because they're hiring us because they love the Venice vocals. So. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Usually it's pretty, it works out pretty good. Whatever we send them. And how is it to work with Springsteen? Uh, it was, it was amazing. He's, he sat us down for like, 45 minutes. 45 minutes and talked about when he started and how he had a station wagon car that he put all the equipment in mm -hmm. and they all drove together to the gigs, you know, every day go a different city and just was very, very nice to us and said, yeah. you know, don't give up don't and give up. Um, they didn't end up using the vocal parts that we did on his album, but just being able to sing and we got paid for it and everything and talk to him mm -hmm. was, was yeah. amazing. He's one of those artists that, you know, like we write like, 20 songs and we use the best 12 for our album or something. He writes like 55 mm -hmm. songs and picks his best 10 or 12. <laughs> so we sang on That's one of the, 50, we sang on one of the 55 and he didn't end up using those ones, but he, like I said, he held up the recording session 45 minutes and don't give up. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Super nice. Like just like, what's, I was like, I, I was like, you're paying us to be here. <laughs> In my mind, I'm going, you're paying us to be here. Wasting a lot of money. I'm like, Oh, it's Frankstein. He's a billionaire. And then, uh, <laughs> and then like a year later I was at the restaurant near, uh, near the Troubadour, which is a big Hollywood club in Hollywood mm. and the restaurant Dantana's, which is a famous Italian restaurant. I was having dinner there with a friend and Bruce Springsteen. I didn't even know he was there. And he came up to my table. He goes, Hey Lennon, how you doing? He goes, Hey, these guys sang on my album. And I'm there. my friends are like, you know, Bruce Springsteen. I go, well, we just sang on a job. He goes, how's your, how's your brothers and your cousins? Oh, where are they? I go, oh, they're not here, but it's so nice to meet you. You know, get back to your dinner and thanks for saying hi. And I was just, I felt like on top of the world oh. that, that he would remember, you know, yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very close oh, yeah. to these wow. people. Just, it was, fat. it was unbelievable. I, I felt like a millionaire. <laughs> for sure. I had a similar, um, feeling with Gila Liberté. He was the, the owner of Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. And he, he, when he came to visit uh, at the premiere in Tokyo, 
back in 2016. And at that time, I already had signed to take a break from the show because I've been touring for five years nonstop. I was ready to oh, yeah. sit back. And so he comes to me after the show. And the first thing he said was, uh, so I heard you're taking a little break, huh? And I was also so surprised that he knew, you know, like he's all the way at the top and the top, yeah. I, I'm sorry, he's on top, but he knew like I was going to take a break and I, and he, you know, he said, you know, I understand like it's a show. It's a long time. Just take a break. And whenever you're ready, just come back. That's and wonderful. I had that similar feeling of like, wow, he's, he doesn't need to do that on his level, but to, for him to still be close to the artist yeah, he's yeah. working and companies working with, I think it's amazing. That's really, really nice. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Uh, Marky, you told me that you actually get really inspired from Cirque du Soleil to write a song. Yeah, right after uh, when I <clears throat> first met Oleg, and I'd seen a bunch of the shows, and I said, I need to write a song about this. I need to write a song. And then he, by meeting him, and uh, he just inspired me even more. So it's not a, about him. It's more just about the inspiration of the circus. And, yeah. and I'm, a, I'm this lonely man in this city, but I'm in this circus that's come to town. And I'm going to, you know, just uh, enjoy, enjoy <laughs> what I got. And so, yeah. So uh, do you want to play it for us? Sure. sure. This one's called Circus in Town. And this usually has drums and bass and keyboards and tons of harmonies and yeah, all that jazz. But acoustic version. <laughs> I got to finish my warm up now. Thank you so much. It was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Grazie. 
Thank you so thank much. You. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. It was amazing. You're so, yeah, so welcome. So much fun. Yeah, and thank you for the song. I mean, it's so stunning. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun to write it because it was like yeah. it just came to me. Uh, the drummer had the actual groove. Yeah. I'm like, I, I have a song I want to write about the circus that that's inspiring me. So it was <laughs> it was magic. And uh, actually, I have one last question for you. Yeah. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? Don't shoot till you've seen the whole show. <laughs> Don't kill them till you've seen the whole show. But you're going to want to take them back to your planet. And maybe they might even recognize some of their relatives. You never yes. know. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm, my friend's taking me to go see uh, Oval. Is that the new yeah, insect exactly. one? Exactly. Yeah. Oval. Oval, yeah. Oval. I'm so excited. And I'm a crazy, I'm a crazy insect fan. So I know everything about insects and bugs. So I'm going to be so excited. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here next time take care guys all right thank you bye-bye pretty awesome song huh and what a career it sounds like the best to be able to have your own band and creative freedom and also get to play with all these crazy iconic musicians if you enjoyed this episode you can now take a little moment to give us a good rating and review It really makes a difference for us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. All right now, you know the drill. We're done for today, but we'll be back next week. I wish you guys a fantastic day. Rock the house if you're performing today. And as we say in the circus, see you down the road.